Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'll start. My name is Rod. And I like to party. Do you mean whiskey? What? You're saying it weird. Saying what weird? All of it. Where do you get off? All right. Hey there, Church Planter. This is Robert Frazier, one of your hosts. Uh, this week we have an interview with uh, one, one of the people in my life that means more to me than anybody because he's a coach, a mentor, a friend. Uh, this is Sean Blomquist. He is part of the leadership team for um, the San Francisco hub of three-dimensional movements, or 3DM. And he is an incredible leader who loves helping leaders get where God's calling them to. And that's what I love about Sean. So welcome to the show, Sean. Hey, it's good to be here, Robert. So good to see you. And uh, it's nice being with the second best looking ball guy I've ever seen today. You know, it's pretty oh, good, man. Thank you. Well, I I need to trim. You know, like that's always the problem with being bald is there's this like constant work of like keeping it in shape. And so too, you're, you, you've got that daily Bic thing going that just works for you. I, it's already tied in, bro. I already <laughs> lost it. So I don't have to work too hard. Sorry, man. Being 58. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, l- let's let's start with. I'm going to turn my mic down a little bit. It's a little hot. Um, let's let's start with your journey because you you aren't just um, someone who focuses on <laughs> disciple making and spiritual movement. You're somebody who's been in the trenches as a missionary and as a pastor. So let's start with your faith journey. Let's let's make it quick and get to get to the last 15, 20 years and let you dive in. Yeah. Real quick, um, so you know, I got a. I started ministry in Young Life, was a staff guy for about uh, five years. Um, so I started really by starting a couple clubs, and being an area director um, out here in uh, the East Bay of California, kind of Northern California, but in East Bay. And out of that, my Young Life experience, um, I had a bunch of college leaders. Um, and had a sense that uh, we should plant a church out of that. And so um, had a college ministry with a bunch of other churches. And then all those guys went and planted churches that were were um, 
pastors and I was left with this college group. So uh, in 90, 99, uh, I launched out with a group of college students. We planted a church called Shelter Covenant Church, and I pastored it for 15 years back in the day when no one thought you could actually lead a church with college students and and do all that. And uh, so we kind of had the, the young adult thing going in the Bay Area, and I pastored and led them for 15 years and saw multiple generations of discipleship. We had some missional communities or going then and had some of that multiply out, had my elders and leaders in those house churches or families on mission or missional communities, whatever language we want to use, micro church, you know, there's a million words for it, but it was in your house with people that didn't know Jesus and helping them become followers of Jesus and then make disciples. So that's what I did for 15 years. And I stumbled onto 3DM uh, around 2008 when I was kind of in the throes of uh, church planting. And we were about seven years in, I guess, around there, seven or eight. And I wasn't quite seeing multiple generations happen of discipleship. And I saw Mike Breen's stuff and I read the book, Building Discipleship Culture. And I said, wow, he's been doing everything I've been wanting to do for ever. And he's already, you know, and he's in Sheffield, England, they're 20 years ahead. And, you know, England, you know, non-Christian world, which is what California is, continues to be. And so I just said, this is the stuff. And God really pushed me to say, submit to their journey and follow Mike Breen and his way of doing things in terms of discipleship. And so I've been doing it since 2008. And now I'm currently um, coaching and leading pastors, yourself included, your church. Um, we're seeing some stuff, uh, seeing some, you know, movemental stuff beginning to happen with churches out in, you know, the Treasure Valley where you are. And that's kind of how we got connected. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm doing a lot of coaching, consulting, pastors, leaders, leadership teams. But that was my church planting journey and uh, in Northern California, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> like most non-Christian areas in the world. Yeah, it's so. a godless wasteland that you keep sending your... <laughs> not You're not sending your best and brightest up to Idaho. We're giving, you're giving us your rejects <laughs> and we're... We, we want the best and brightest now, okay? <laughs> yeah, I, and the funny thing is, you know, when we were in, you know, in California, I mean, I saw as I was planting, I, you know, there was a, you know, so many young church planters coming out in California and it was a 75% fail rate, you know? Oh. So I was doing our church plant and other guys were trying to come in and do the same thing. And it was, I mean, 75% fail rate and trying to help guys stay in the, in the game and uh, men and women, um, and it was it was rough, you know. So and you you grew up there I in in Northern California too. So that's that's home for you, yeah. which is not. I mean, yeah. a lot of people are in and out of California. It's kind of like a it's a very transitory place, especially big cities like that. What what's kept you there long term? How how have you stayed through the thick and thin of it? Yeah, I think for you know for me, crystal clear. You know, you know, gift mix for me out of the fivefold is apostle prophet. So. I wanted, I, I wanted, and I knew that I needed to stay in one place for my entire life. 
and California is my home and where I'm at. And at the same time, I wanted to see things expand. And so I, I really feel like you have to you have to be rooted. You have to say, I'm ready to ground myself here for the rest of my life and invest in these people. And so the parachuting and the moving around, that those days are over. You just, you know, you can start that way if God's called you to do it, but you got to stay, you know, and I, I just relationally, I don't think there's any way around that. So yeah, that's that's something that was a part of that was a part of the way we when we were starting. I was reading a book by Alan Briggs called "Staying Is the New Going," and what what yeah, he made this it. case for is that when you plant yourself in a place and you stay for five, ten years, you miss out on a bunch of the fruit because you don't yep. actually root your life in a way that you can walk with someone through the seasons that are coming and you don't have the trust and the authority that comes from being around. And so for us, when, when we planted, we said, basically, we're going to stay in this neighborhood. We're going to, our kids are going to go to school two doors down and we're going to, we're going to focus. And that's, you know, for apostles, we're always, we're always asking what's next, right? We're looking over the next oh, hill saying, absolutely. you know, yeah. how can I go on another adventure? And, you know, I, yeah. I always need new people, especially prophets. They always need new people because they're burning through the old people. <laughs> absolutely. Like, you know, yeah. then, and it's easy to just like, you know, kind of flip one into the next. So, yeah, I, I love that. And I think that what we're seeing locally here in the Valley, we, we have a church planning movement called City Network, and we've we've planted 70 churches over the last six years. The trickle of the parachute planters coming is slowing as house prices have risen. They like the idea of a nice place sure. that's growing with kids that had affordable housing. You take away the affordable housing, sure. and all of a sudden they start asking different questions like, is God really calling me to do. Boise? Maybe, maybe there's a cheaper place. <laughs> <laughs> but much like but it, Northern it, California, mean, yeah. There is a lot of sociology behind church planning, right? I mean, we go to growing areas, you know, and so it's not rocket science when it comes to that. But, uh, you know, it, it, you have to, five years is just simply the root work and you haven't even gotten to the fruit work yet, you know? And so we underestimate the way of life we're supposed to live. And we think of it as like the plug and play. We just do this thing, you know, preach and they come, you know, build it and they come, you know, all that kind of thinking uh, just doesn't work anymore. I don't think it yeah. was ever intended to be that way, but um, yeah. well, we're well, there's, in the, there's we're the, in the season, the, where, especially in California, where you have to get to do it. Yeah, there, there's the, the, the church planting industrial complex that is built around <laughs> the, the technical aspects of church planting and the technical aspects of the fundraising and the team raising and the promotion schedule and the organizational piece. And so people got really good at the stuff that doesn't matter in some ways. All of those things won't actually make a difference in people's lives unless there's somebody saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to, what we say is we want people to not plant a church, but we want people to plant their lives, do evangelism and discipleship one hand in hand, and then see the church emerge out of the work of mission. And what, what you're saying is that's the only way to do it in a place where you're post-Christian, because even, even in a place like Boise, you, you do a great job promoting yourself and you start preaching and all that stuff. No one's asking, hey, I need to go somewhere to church on Sunday. Because, because that's not the they're question not asking they're asking. That? No, they're, they're they're not. And I, I can tell you because I, I work in, not asking that anywhere. <laughs> no, I, I mean I on, on digital marketing you could pay a hundred dollars for the keyword looking for a church, 
because no one's doing it. <laughs> like it's, it's so, it's so, it's so rare that someone's looking for a church that you actually have to, you've got to go find the person who's looking. And it's because the mountains and the rivers and, you know, people move here so that on the weekend, they're not in town. And that changes yep. the, the dynamic, right? And you're only hitting the same 10% when you do that, because there's only 10% of the people that are actually looking for a church. And then we're just swapping chairs and moving. And we all know this stuff now. And so until we actually take discipleship and mission serious as an integrated way of life, and actually we have to, as leaders, do it first and then actually have a way to show people how to do it. And if they don't want to do it, they're going to leave and go to a different church. And that's that's what we're really trying to do here. And that's why it's the slow work of really saying, are we a called people that want to live a way of life? Not plant a church, but live a way of life where a church or the ecclesia, the people emerge out of it. And, you know, that that's how we have to do it. You know, and there's no way around that. And I think God's just continuing to look for people that are really called to that way of life and that's always what i've always wanted to do and that's what my brain and sheffield has done and it, now we have a language and a way to do it you know and there's others doing it for sure it's not three dms the only way but you just got to choose your way and stay with that path you know you went on mute on me bro Oh, sorry. I'm I'm trying to mute so that it's like a clear audio when, when you're talking. Uh, <laughs> um, let's let's start there and let's let's dive in a little bit. Uh, when when we're talking with church planters, you've been doing this for five, ten years full time, doing like disciple yeah, making. Two thousand. Yes. Yeah, I've been doing it since two thousand eight. Okay. In, yeah, terms so, so, of, in terms of 3DM, I mean, I've always been investing in people. I just didn't see it re reproduced. You know, you're yeah. always missing some parts of it to see it actually get passed on beyond you from first to second generation. The set third, fourth generation kind of thing is really what we're really trying to fight for. And that's the long haul. Yeah. Really get a culture. Well, and the missiologists say that it's you, you don't have a disciple making movement until you have multiple branches of third and fourth generation. That's that's where you you show that there's fruit in the transformation of a person to create disciples over time, and and so you've been doing this for a while. You've worked with a lot of leaders. You've worked with a lot of churches. You've worked with a lot of church plants, and I want I want to ask you some questions about what what are you seeing out there where people are struggling and why, and then we're going to ask the opposite question of where are you seeing fruit where there's disciple, there's, there's the beginning of disciple-making movement happening, and and why is that happening that way? Yep. So when I think about the struggle that pastors go through, I, usually it, it's they, I call it, they hit the wall where they've they've actually had to go at it they've made some disciples around their leaders they're starting to see some growth but they hit the wall where they're they're not sure how to reproduce that in a way to pass it on so the number one thing i see in most church planners is they have a lot of unconscious competence they know how to do it but they don't know how to take that unconscious competence in them and make it conscious competence to pass it on to their their people. And it is the it is the secret sauce of leadership. 
is take uh, and what I do with as a as a leader is help take what's inside of you, get it out of you, so you can pass it on to your leaders. And that's what I see happening in most church planters. They can do it. They're they're gung ho. They get after it. Then they hit the wall because they don't know how to take what's in them and get it out of them because they're intuitive. And intuitive leadership is good leadership, but it's not great leadership. And I I'd say that is when I think of the leadership journey for pastors and church planters specifically, that's where they get stuck. They're good at it, but they don't know how to get it out of them. And so for me, that's what I do as, as a coach. And um, that was the thing that 3DM has helped me most with. And we, we, we may get pushed back on the shapes and the tools, but the tools are the language and the handles that communicate what is inside of us as leaders that we're trying to get out of us. And I think we resist that to our demise. We don't yeah. have a way to take what's out of us. Well, and that, that was my journey um, in so many ways where I, I could gather a group of people and I could teach them about Jesus, but I didn't know how to teach them how to train people in the way of Jesus. It's kind of yes. that, it's, it's like a, it's like we're, we're, uh, we're creating these hybrids that are infertile. <laughs> you know, yeah. like when you have a, a horse and a donkey, it makes a mule and the mule can't then reproduce. That's kind of what we do with the world and the kingdom. We produce this hybrid that then can't can't reproduce. And I hit 35 and I was like, if I'm going to be doing this rest of my life, I've got to go from somebody who can lead an organization and can put on an event to somebody who can train people because that's, I, it, I had to grow. It wasn't natural. And I, I, in some ways, I don't think training and equipping is natural to anybody. I think it has to be something that's passed along person to person, right? It really is. And, and that's the key because what, what we've done basically what, what I want to say with American Christianity is we've just become so information-based and not imitation-based. And so we take the information and then we just go out as church planners and innovate in our own context. And then we always get stuck because we don't actually have someone to help us imitate the way of life we're really supposed to live, which is why we have the gap of discipleship. That's why we have the burnout. That's why we have the crash and burns because we go from information to innovation rather than to imitation and then innovate and yeah that is our issue you know well you need so many pull it out of you you know over time and show you how to do this stuff yeah and so many church planners even stop at information where they they've bought into kind of a mid-century evangelicalism that says as long as you know what's true it will transform you but we we know fundamentally from experience and then from jamie taylor i mean uh uh Sorry, Jamie, what's his name? Uh, James K. Smith, Jamie, Jamie Smith. Yeah, he uh, he tells us that it's literally what you are becoming what you do. Like it, it literally is this deep interconnection between the way of life that you that you live out rather than what you think, because what you think actually doesn't change you. How you live changes how you think. And and that's a that's a key piece for pastors to kind of grab hold of is to say I'm not I'm not trying to teach people how to think I'm trying to teach people how to live I'm trying to yes. help people find the way of the kingdom and be transformed absolutely. by it absolutely well and and you see that both with Jesus and formation. with Paul too you just call that formation that's what it means to form a life you know what I mean and finally evangelicals have gotten on the 
the formation bandwagon in the last 20 years, but we still do it as information. You know, we oh. teach contemplation as information here. You just do it this way, but we don't really do it. You know, what I mean? here's, here's a book, a class in a, in a program, and you will learn how to do this thing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's, so Jesus does that with his disciples at the great commission. He says, teach them to do everything I commanded you. And then you see Paul tell Timothy the same thing. All the things you heard me say, the the way the manner of life that you saw me do, pass that on to the next generation. And instead we said, I'm going to teach. And I'm only going to teach. I'm not going to show. I'm not going to let them experience my life. And yeah. We're, so let's let's dive We're always into looking for shortcuts. We're always yeah. looking for shortcuts because the way is hard. You know, it's simple to understand. Uh, we always know this is simple to understand. And I keep trying to make it simpler and simpler so that people know that there's no shortcut, you know, simple to understand, hard to live, you know, and we all know that. So. Well, and, and I think as a pastor, the, the thing that we're most concerned about is I don't really want to give people access to my life. Mm. And, and that's, there's, there's two reasons for that. Number one is if people have to have access to my life, then there's a finite number of people that I can influence. And if I can yeah. influence them from a distance, then I'm, I'm going to be more effective or efficient in ministry, right? And then the okay. second piece is, I may not have a life that's worth imitating as a pastor, Ooh. and I'm really afraid of you getting close and seeing that I'm actually still yet formed in those places. And instead of inviting you to see God form me, I want you to imagine how I was formed in the past and then just figure it out on your own, right? Isn't that kind and of I can the... Tell you from, and I can tell you from the platform on Sundays, all my great victories after. <laughs> you know, guys, now guys, most guys, when they're preaching, and women too, men and women, you know, there's more vulnerability and openness than I've ever seen. So there is a really, you know, especially from the platform, everybody knows lead from weakness, and everybody's really good about that. I, from my preach, from watching people preach and communicate, and I think they've done a tremendous job they just don't know how to take it from there and actually get it into their people's lives because they still have to run the Sundays, you know, once you're there and they don't have the bandwidth. And that's, that's a lot of the struggle. Well, yeah. And I, what my first job at a church, I, I got drafted to plant a campus for a church and, I, and some guys would have chafed at the, the reality that I was only preaching every four to six weeks. And it was, yeah. you know, it, it, it was video most of the time. It was a venue sort of deal. But I kind of liked that because it meant that I wasn't like, and in, in my mind as an apostle, like, I was like, I don't want to waste my time sitting in my study. I had done a lot of study and I didn't, I didn't see that that, that was transforming lives. I was like, I, w I want the freedom to be mixing it up with people who are far from Jesus and helping them with discipleship and with evangelism. And a lot of our church planners, if they're teachers and pastors, what they want to do is sit in their office and prepare beautiful sermons and spend 10, 15, 20, 30 hours a week preparing for that sermon. Uh, what, what do you what do you tell those guys to help them kind of shake loose the Jonathan Edwards, uh, you know, Puritan <laughs> ideal of of the this cedar cedar walled library in which they'll prepare sermons that will transform lives like the Great Awakening? I'd say it's pretty simple. You just have to say that's not the way Jesus did it. <laughs> oh, going right at him. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I just don't know any way around that, bro. You just don't see Jesus doing it. So you got it. You can't do it. If you're going to do it the way Jesus did, you got to do it the way Jesus did. So, you know, and that's our thing is we've been trained in the, through the enlightenment. 
And so, you know, there's a, there's a dying, there's a letting go, there's a repentance to that way of doing things. And if, you know, if we don't repent of it, we're already seeing the demise of the church because of that way of doing things. You know, we just have to connect those dots. And I, I think, you know, until you connect those dots, you're going to keep doing what you've been trained to do in our seminaries and other places is pass on information and think that this is the way to do it. And if you just look at the gospels, you look at Paul and Acts and they didn't do that. And so we have to choose if you have to, and I'm not saying we don't do church and I'm not saying we don't preach and we don't communicate. And there's times where I do spend 10 to 15 hours, maybe 20 hours in, in a, in a sermon, if I getting there now, I'm 50, I don't have to do that much anymore, but I've had to prune my time back to, you know, six to eight hours in, in sermon prep. But the, the reason is, is then if I need to put time in, I have other people. If I haven't had time to train other communicators, that's the problem. The problem isn't putting the time in. It's that I have to do it every week because I don't have anybody else to do it that's part of the problem right there. We haven't created disciples. So that that if you can teach other people to do it, then you can split your time in half and do the other things as well. That's what we have to learn how to do is have a church or an ecclesia that everyone's sharing those things. And you've done really good at that. Your sister's a great communicator. She's a, she's a killer leader. She loves yeah. to teach. Let's split your yep. time in half. You, you got her doing well, it. And you I got have, other pastors. I've got 10 people in my congregation who are capable communicators. And I, I'm always going, how can I get, how can I do this less and still, you know, keep the, you know, be that, I, I still have to be the directional leader. Like there's a piece that, that God is still calling me to, but like, what's the minimum I can teach and still be the direction? You know, I'm, I'm asking a different question. <laughs> yeah. and But see, even that is, I like, even when I wasn't teaching, I was still the lead worshiper. So when I came up and did announcements, I would tie in vision. I would, you know, I would do some of that. Or it, it just, it, there's, we have to think in terms of your life is about multiplication. It's not about anything else. How do I reproduce myself in the culture I want within this place, this ecclesia? And so if you're leading those 10 communicators in, in discipleship and you're in their life, then it's real easy to do because they're going to pick up your way of life. That's how Jesus did it. But it's just so counterintuitive for us to understand that, you know, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's just been so freeing for me to re to see that and realize it. it. Now it's effortless. Now it's just the way I live. I don't even, yeah, not. Yep. It's easy. Well, and that's that's the shift is the metric going from and, and we talk about this pretty often on the podcast and in our trainings with church planners is that if your metric is how big is the place and the people and the budget that I'm managing, if that's your metric, you're going to build a system that's going to get you more people in the door. But if your metric is kingdom transformation and kingdom movement, the metric changes to asking how am I sending and equipping? more people and and if Absolutely. that if that's ruling you then your life your work your hours of the week is gonna shift more towards how am i getting pe giving people access to my life how am i focusing on training them how am i giving them opportunities to lead how am i giving them space to process their own leadership journey and helping them through that and and then your light your whole your whole week looks way different when that's your metric right instead of me spending it really hours preaching 
Yeah, it really does. And I think the hardest church planters, especially if this is their first one or they're just getting started, is they've never done it before. Uh-huh. So you still have to learn how to do that stuff. So when I was in my 30s, you know, I'm 58 now. So when I was in my 30s, doing stuff, I had to put a lot of time into a lot of different things. And I had to own the fact that I go, okay, I think I intuitively know how to do this stuff, but I really don't because I haven't actually done it all myself. So I still have to, I still trying to do it myself, let alone show people how to do something that I actually haven't fully done myself as a church planter. You know what I mean? And so that's the tension they're in a little bit, which is why they need a coach, That which is why they need a mentor. You can call it a spiritual director, but it can't be just a spiritual director. They have to know how to do your spiritual director in terms of your inner life, but also help you strategically know how to actually do this stuff, you know, and to have a combination of both of those things as young church planners is, is the goal that they're going to, that's, what's going to help them make it. You know, long well, term. And that, that takes us to, to that takes us to a really important place, which is how, how do you become the kind of leader who makes disciples? If you're trying to make it up on your own, if, if you've never experienced somebody training you in how to do it and training you in how to teach others how to do it, how are you going to, you know, there's maybe maybe one-tenth of one percent of people are so naturally gifted at writing and communicating and understanding and passionate about the gospel that they can look at Jesus and, and see from a distance and create something out of out, on their own, but they're still going to lack the experience of the way which is the embodied gospel, the kingdom reality flowing through somebody's place in the world and experiencing the love and the joy and the peace, all the, all the fruit of the spirit in their lives. So, so how does somebody, like if, if you're a church planner out there going, I actually want, I hit 35 and I go, if I'm going to do what Jesus called me to, I've got to be great at making disciples and I don't, don't, I don't know how to do it. I have to find somebody who knows how to do it. And I had watched... So somebody you discipled had discipled my little sister and her life was transformed into this, like from a, you know, Christian hedonist into a disciple making <laughs> follower of Jesus. I serious. I mean, over yeah. two years got transformed her life. And I go, I got to figure out how they did that. Cause I don't know how to do that. And it required, you know, level of humility. But if guys are saying, I, I need this, how, how do they find somebody that's going to work with them and help them discover that? Yeah, you know, if I if I look out over the horizon right now, I would say um, there's so few sages that are actually beyond just information, you know, platform book writers to actually having space to coach and invest in leaders like that. I think Skizera is doing fantastic stuff. You know, I think there's a, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are beginning to percolate out there. We just don't have enough older women and men that are integrating both spiritual formation and reproduction, you know, strategic kind of kingdom expansion in an integrated way. And I think that's why I've stuck with 3DM. I think that's what I've given my life to is saying, I'm going to invest in, 
the next generation of leaders. I don't need to do it. I need to show them how to do it. I still have to be a practice. I still have to be in it. I'm in a church. I'm with my senior pastor that at Hope Center Covenant Church. And we just had our first missional community last night, uh, you know, pizza potluck and had people there and did prophecy and, you know, had had the thing. But he is, we're just getting launched, you know, with them doing it. And I get to be a part of that. But at the same time, I think most church planners, it's it's sparse to find those leaders, you know, and you have to you have to really seek it out. You have to ask, Lord, who is who is doing this that can actually show me the way? And I think for us at 3DM, 3D movements, I think that's what we're doing. That's that's who I am. That's what I want to do. I think there's other, you know, there's definitely other groups doing it. I think Exponential has a path with that that's doing it. I think Dave Ferguson's doing a great job. Um, you know, so there's a lot out there that's happening. I just, I'm hoping it's the depth of coaching and access to life. That's really essential. Like, you know, access to me is what I tell people. You have access to me. I always tell them that you will always get a hold of me within 24 hours. Once I'm on vacation, <laughs> you know, and that's what I try to say, you know, you, and, and we have to have accessible lives as, as older leaders to give it to the next generation. Um, yeah. yeah. I would tell them you have to find, if they're reading somebody, follow up with that person and go, oh, I like what you're writing. How do I, can I have access to your life? Guys used to do that. I mean, men and women, would you do that with Eugene Peterson? You know, he'd say, all right, come up to Montana, <laughs> come hang out with me, you know? Yeah, he, yeah, he did that all the way to the end. There were people who Absolutely. he'd invite them up to the house and give them access and yeah. Absolutely. You know, and so that's I, really I, what I would say, you know? Yeah, I think we're in, a, we're in a spot, in some ways, it's like a renaissance of disciple making. As we're seeing, like John Mark Comer is like giving yeah. his life to say, okay, I'm going to try to figure out a way to help people discover practicing the way of Jesus. I love that. Yeah. And he, he really yeah. learned a bunch from Schizero. He learned a bunch from Dallas Willard. You know, the, what do they call it? The School of Kingdom Living that Willard's organization does is phenomenal work. You know, a lot of like Renovari and what they have done with spiritual formation um, is great stuff. Uh, we, yeah. um, you know, Rob Wagner's Bruce a friend Martin, and they're, yeah, you know, Bruce Rob Martin, Wagner's, uh, yeah, Disciple, let's see, Disciples Made, and then you got Disciple Shift, Jim Putman, like there's, there's great stuff out there and everybody's using the same source material, right? <laughs> We're all starting with Jesus. Yes. And we're, tr we're trying yes. to imitate him. And, and so for me, it's like, yeah, like I, I'm working with 3DM because that's the relationship and the friends that I had. And we love, we love what we're learning and it's giving us a reproducible way to make disciples. We're starting to see third and fourth generation disciple making. And we're, we have a massive capacity for disciple making because we're pouring into leaders. It's been powerful. And so I, I want to tell everybody, if whatever it is, find somebody who's doing it. Find somebody who has yes. a reproducible way and has a life worth imitating and tell them, I want, I'm willing to give you access to challenge me and, and help me find Jesus if you'll give me access to your life. And there's, yes. there's incredible things that happen when you do that. I'd say, and I'd say it's non-negotiable. Like if you're going to make it and you yep. really want to be about not just planting a church, but actually being a move, a discipling movement, you have to have a guide. You have to have mentors. You have to have somebody you're following. If you're not following somebody, then that's where the trouble is. And that's where the trouble.
will be, no matter what, because it's yep. not the way of Jesus if you don't have it. And that would be the number one thing. Because once you find something worth following, then they'll help you do it. And then it gets it gets imitated and modeled and reproduced. Yeah, you've got to ask, uh, is Dallas Willard's two famous questions, right? What's, what's your plan for making disciples? And is it working? And both those are much exactly. more of a revealing question than anybody wants to admit, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And guaranteed, if you don't have somebody that you're following, you're going to bump up against yourself and face those limitations. And you will have to, you can't read the next book. You have to be in life with somebody. Yeah. And because it's the, the way the books, Mandalorian, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, the book's not going to look at you and go, cut the BS. Let's get yeah. real. No, no one's, no book is going to actually read your mail and go, let's talk about, Hey, there's this piece of your life that has yet to be formed. Are you ready to dive in? Are you ready to give God access to that? There's no, mir there's no, no mirror. <laughs> That's right, man. Well, so we're going to actually, we, we have a part two coming up in a couple of weeks um, on the show with you, Sean, but today I wanted to finish up with today saying thank you so much for making some space. How could people connect with you if they're looking to learn more or even, you know, dive into a discipleship relationship? Yeah, you know, it's called a cell phone. You have access to me. You actually can call me. And, uh, you know, my number is 925-212-9498. And, uh, you know, I will set up a time and we will you will have access to me and um i lean heavy on relationship and this is the way it is because it's the way so um i always tell guys you know, i say guys men and women because i'm you know like i said like you said earlier i got to coach you know anna magara out there where you are and she coached your sister and decided sister which helped you see what was going on and so men and women you know, you want investment, you have access to my life and you have my cell number and that is a way to access me. Well, we're, we're putting that in the show notes. So if, if you're looking for Sean yeah. and, and, or you want to spam him with text messages, it will be in the show notes available for you. <laughs> there you go. Hopefully you won't go to my spam and you'll get right in there and you'll have access. So that's how we do it. <laughs> Uh, the old-fashioned way, you know. <laughs> call, <them. laughs> call, call me. I'll be, I'll be sitting by the phone. Oh. Uh, all right. Well, we will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being with us today, Sean. We really appreciate it, and I'm, I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Really good, bro. I love you. Thanks for our conversation earlier, too. I love being in your life, man. And, uh, it's why I wake up in the morning, man. You always have access, brother. I love you, friends. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I, I, as we're starting the show, like I'm wiping tears from my face because Sean and I are talking about, you know, <laughs> the real nonsense in my in my heart and soul. So you could you get the good stuff. Remember, friends, if you want to reach the people that no one else is reaching, you got to go where no one else is going and do what no one else is doing. We'll see you next time on the Church Planner Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode. This episode was brought to you by Church Web Builder. If you've been meaning to scrap your terrible WordPress church website, or you just need to actually sit down and make your church plants website, let this be assigned to you. With Church Web Builder's library of church-specific templates and integrations, 
and the included all-in-one marketing and communication platform, a beautiful new website is literally sitting there waiting for you to take it. Go to churchwebbuilder.io and use the code PLANTER at checkout. You'll get 50% off your first year. Yes, 50 50% off your entire first year. Again, go to churchwebbuilder.io and use the code PLANTER. For more from the Church Planter Podcast, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at Church Planter Podcast and on Twitter at CPlanterMag. We'd love to connect. See you next time.